Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Going Rounds podcast, episode 86. And we're back to talk about everything combat sports, as usual. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff going on this weekend. Uh, a lot of boxing. A lot of boxing's happening this weekend. Well, no, not a lot, but some. <laughs> Big boxing, I guess. Uh, but a few different MMA events. Uh, I'm getting this weekend and next weekend mixed up. There's a lot of stuff going on over the next couple, few weekends, really. So it should be good times for combat sports. Um, And yeah, I'm excited because, you know, fights, good fights are always fun. And it's always nice to have a bunch of good fights in a row. So I'm hoping that these come through. And I'm hoping that, yeah, everything's good. Uh, UFC 299 is uh, just over a week away, so that's going to be fun. And I, I'm actually really excited because we're going to do another watch party. I'm actually made up my mind early, made up my mind ahead of time. Usually it comes down the wa- to the wire, and I'm like going back and forth. Do I want to have one? Don't I want to have one? There's a lot of ups and downs. You know, it's a, somewhat of a stressor on me when I do have one. But it's only because I tend to have, you know, some difficulties here and there sometimes. So, um, damn, remote didn't want to work. My lights feel like they're super bright. So, I'm just trying to get a handle on that. Maybe it's just me. But, um, yeah, so I I decided that I'm going to go ahead and do a watch party. And it sounds like I'm going to have some more... um, in studio guests, (laughs) which will be cool. Uh, I mean, it was fun last time and the fights I think are going to be a step up even bigger this, this week, or I mean this pay-per-view and I think it'll be fun. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to try to get everything done as early as possible. Just get myself set up and prepped. And I mean, I always do that sort of, but I feel like this time I need to make a hundred percent sure and that way I don't have to be all stressed out right beforehand. But, um, yeah, that's next week. So we'll talk about that a little more next week. This week we have some UFC uh, fight night going on. We've got Game Bread Bare Knuckle MMA. One championship is having a pretty big event. I mean, there's not a lot of big names on there, but it's, it seems like it's going to be pretty good. They're pushing it a little more. You're hearing a little more about this one. So, uh there's that, and then there's the uh, boxing match in Puerto Rico with Amanda Serrano versus Nina Menke, and then um, Jake Paul's fighting this weekend, in case you didn't know. A lot of times, you'll see stuff everywhere. This is kind of flying under the radar like his last fight did. I think this one's maybe out there a little bit more because Amanda Serrano is pretty popular and pretty well-known, so... When it comes down to that, I guess this one gets a little more of a push than maybe his last event. But, uh, yeah, he's fighting on the card against Ryan Borland. Uh, Not very well known as far as I can tell. But, I mean, uh, I heard it's like somewhat of a step up in competition. I guess we'll see. So, we're going to get into all that. Actually, let's go ahead and just get started with that. Um... Wait, do I want to jump right in? What else did I have to talk about? 
Uh, I guess in personally, uh, yeah, last week was tough. I, I, I did. We did have to put put down our dog, unfortunately, Jade, and uh, you know, we weren't sure it was back and forth because she basically had a mass that was just out of control, basically, and it, and and I mean, it just she she it was it was confirmed that she had cancer as well. So we we were wondering if we were going to come home one day from being gone for a little while or wake up in the morning and and find her uh but uh that didn't happen. Um we were able to, you know, just make the decision just due to the way that she was kind of uh the way that she was acting, the way that she seemed to be feeling and stuff like that and things kind of progressively got worse with that mass that she had. Uh, and it sounded like the vets and stuff just didn't think that there was any way that that could be reversed or, you know, fixed of any sort. So unfortunately we had to, you know, let her go. And I'm glad that we did it the way we did, because even though it was really, really tough, uh, we just, um, it's better to be able to say goodbye and, and do it, you know, as peacefully as you can, instead of having her just just be in pain all the time or, you know, stuff like that. We don't truly know how how deep in pain she might have been or how much she was maybe struggling, but she showed, you know, she showed good temperament and good, good signs of life for quite a while after we thought that we weren't sure how long she was going to last. So um, it was a little bit better to be able to do it this way, um, you know, I was just doubting the decision all the way running up to it because, of course, <laughs> you make a decision like that and then she starts, like, acting differently in, in, like, a more positive way. But you can see it in her face and, and in her eyes. So, yeah, that's uh, unfortunate that that had to happen. And, you know, she was, uh, she was a part of our family for quite a long time. Uh, we, You know, she was, like, 13, 14 years old altogether. Um, she was a rescue, but... You know, Trent grew up with her. The kids both grew up with her. So, uh, but it was Trent's dog. So that's that was uh, what made it worse and 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 made it more sad and harder to deal with because Trent just took it hard. Of course, it was her best friend, her you know loyal companion that she could lean on all the time. And yeah, uh, she spent day in and day out with her forever. So, um, but yeah, um, I hope she's. I hope she's doing well wherever she is and uh and uh Jade that is and uh <laughs> you know uh we had another dog pass away a while back a uh, few what like 4 years ago 5 years ago 5 or 6 years ago something like that but um yeah so you know it's tough to deal with and and stuff like that but you know time time heals and and makes things better so uh if Trent, if you're watching or if you watch this later, I hope you're feeling better. She's she's taking it pretty hard and you know, she's been struggling all week with it and, and I understand. Um and you know, it's different around the house without her here and stuff like that. So uh we miss her already. We miss her so much already. But hopefully she's feeling better and having fun wherever she is. And uh yeah, just just wanted to give a little uh little insight into that because I know I mentioned it last week and and yeah it was a tough time so uh yeah I guess that that's that's really it for that but um anyway let's uh 
let's get into something a little more lighthearted. <laughs> I don't want to bring all that back. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and get into combat sports news for the week. We've got what I just mentioned a few minutes ago: Jake Paul versus Amanda. Sor- I mean, Jake Paul versus. <laughs> Oh, man, not against Amanda Serrano because that wouldn't work. Ryan Borland. um, And uh, that is the co-main event. That is not the main event, which is, you know, Jake Paul, usually big name. But he's working his way up. That's that's what he mentioned in the past, uh, that he was trying to get a step up in, in each time in competition, work his way up like a regular boxer and earn his way to a title shot. So far, in that manner, you know, he he fought a lesser-named opponent uh, after Nate Diaz and um, knocked him out. Knocked him out pretty quick, too. So, and everyone, you know, talks all this shit about that guy being a no-name, that guy this, that guy that. But, I mean, that's kind of the way boxing works. So, and, and it's he was seemingly at the same level as Jake Paul. So... Of course, there's all that stuff going around again about his opponent this time, but it is what it is, and we'll touch on him and his opponent here in a few, a little bit closer. But Amanda Serrano versus Nina uh, Minky is the main event, um, and you know, uh, this Amanda Serrano fighting made headlines uh, quite a bit in her last fight because it was the first time that women went uh, 12 three-minute rounds instead of two-minute rounds. Or something of that nature. I think it was a combination of uh, 10. I think they did 10 two-minute rounds before. And now they're doing 12 three-minute rounds. Something like that. I keep. I know the three-minute round thing is is really the main portion of that. And so now they're fighting at the same level that a professional men's headlining boxing match would be. Which would be, you know, the 12 three-minute rounds. And, uh, and yeah, it's a big thing because... You know, it's it's like the first few fights that it's happening with women, and Amanda Serrano's leading the way, paving the way, I should say. So, big ups to her on that. She's a great boxer. Um, you know, she's crossed over to uh, MMA, or she said she's going to. I can't remember yet if she actually has, but either way, uh, she's big in boxing, and she's got a main event, big fight in Puerto Rico. So it's a homecoming for her. Yeah, it's going to be, it's, you know, seems like a pretty big event. And if you're looking at this poster right now, you'll see uh, that, let me get his name right. Javon Walton is also on this card. And if I remember correctly, yes, that is definitely, I want to make sure I didn't get that, get that wrong because I know him as Ashtray (laughs) or Ashtray or Ash. What the hell is this? Let me hold on. I got to look for it again because I thought it was funny that they called him that. Uh, because yeah, Ashtray, <laughs> he was, he was in the show Euphoria. He was the little gangster kid that looked like maybe he was, maybe he was in his twenties, but he was really small, but he really is a little kid, but he talks real tough. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's kind of a little badass in the show. So, and his brother, you know, is like the kind of somewhat gangster type with, you know, drug dealer, all that good stuff. RIP to him as well. I, I can never remember. Angus Angus Cloud, I think his name was. Yeah, unfortunately, he passed away 
um he had some substance problems of his own so that's unfortunate but yeah he was the little brother to angus and uh uh i mean if you haven't watched euphoria it might not be your thing because it's about like uh it, it takes place in like modern day type high school life uh in some portions and in other portions there's a there's a lot of mixed things in there people might not like either way i watched the show and um i liked a lot of it and it was interesting it was definitely um definitely interesting to say the least so anyway he made the transition and over into boxing from you know the acting world as he's grown up i guess he grew up actually uh as a kid um his family was into boxing or something like that but uh either way he's he's made himself a name he's one and own boxing professional boxing right now and he is fighting on this card as well let's see yeah he had one canceled bout and then he had a win in round one of his fight against moises el monte and that was uh december of last year so i think i probably talked about it a little bit but he's 17 years old damn i thought he was 18 already no 17 years old uh so there you go yeah youngin making his you know making his way in the boxing world um alongside jake paul that's not a bad way that's not a that's not a bad way to come up i guess because he's look he's on the poster um fighting with one of the biggest names in boxing right now in the women's division which is amanda serrano one of the biggest names in influencers slash youtube slash boxing now world and combat sports in general really uh because he is rumored to possibly take some mma fights in the future so he's hitched his his wagon to uh jake paul and i mean it's not bad you can't blame the guy and i'm sure it's going to do wonders for his career especially if he continues winning especially if he shows and proves that he's you know actually good at boxing and here to you know take part in in the sport seriously which is what jake paul's trying to do show and prove as well so you know people down on some of these uh actors slash influencers slash streamers youtubers that want to uh join in in combat sports but if they take it seriously who knows might have a star jake paul's a star already but he's trying to make his way to be credible in the um in the boxing world for now Um, let's see who his, uh, Javon Anthony Walton, his nickname's Wana, <laughs> which is funny. Um, let me see who his opponent is. Joshua Torres is 0-1 with, uh, he's 0-1-1. They don't have much on him except for his record, so that's kind of weird. But anyway, that's just that's how boxing goes, like I said. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to follow um, Javon and see, like, how he does and how he fares in boxing continuing on. So that should be interesting. But, yeah, Amanda Serrano versus Nina Minky uh, is the main event. And they're fighting for the female featherweight title uh ibf wbo wba world female featherweight title and uh 
Yeah, Amanda Serrano's 46-2-1. Nina Menke is 18-3. So, Menke's, I believe, coming off of five straight wins. One, two, three, four, five, six. She's on a six-fight win streak. Um, and she looks like a beast. I haven't actually watched her fight, but we know Amanda Serrano's a beast. At least I do. From what I followed, um, she's uh, she's got... She's on a four fight win streak with a couple canceled bouts in between there. But I mean, she's she's fought bigger names. Katie, she was supposed to fight Katie Taylor. That got canceled, but she's fought Daniela Ramos was her last opponent. She fought Heather Hardy, Erica Cruz, Sarah uh, Mumford. Um, but she lost to Katie Taylor in the past. That's one of her few losses in the. That's her only loss. What am I talking about? Uh, yeah, 46 2 and 1. Okay, so maybe that's her overall record. They're only listing this one loss, uh, to Katie Taylor, who is also a phenomenal boxer. So this should be interesting, should be fun. But you know, the, the story of Jake Paul continues against, um, his opponent, Ryan Borland, who, uh, let me get back here. Oh man. Um Yeah, Ryan Borland is 17 and 2. Let's see. I want to see. He's 35 years old. So he's of course, I mean, that's what everyone's talking shit about. Jake Paul fighting older guys who are kind of on their way out of the sport or just don't have great records. But 17 and 2 is not bad. Uh Ryan Borland, nickname Rhino. Uh Let's see. He is. Well, see pro results. Okay. So this is the pro record. I'm using a website. I'm not exactly used to, but apparently he's two and zero in his pro in pro fighting. So, you know, similar type records with Jake Paul having, uh, being eight and one. Yeah. And all of his one, two, three, four, five six seven eight nine yeah i don't i don't understand this whole thing it's so much easier to decipher mma but <laughs> he's uh jake paul's coming off that ko that first round ko to uh andre august uh back in uh december so before that he got a unanimous decision win over nate diaz in august of last year as well so he's just looking to looking to make his way up the boxing ranks and and hoping to get up there quickly. I mean, we saw Francis Ngannou uh, move over to boxing and get ranked after his first boxing match with Tyson Fury. Though I mean, come on, he fought one of the best of the best, and uh, and he hung with him, and he and he looked good in the fight. So. And he has the background in combat sports. You know, he started off boxing, turned into MMA. You know, did big things there, winning the title and all that in the UFC, and and then moves over to boxing. Uh, supposedly has a, a PFL MMA fight coming up with Henan for uh, Ferreira, which he that dude looks like a beast. He knocked out Ryan Bader in like 20 seconds of the first round. In this, uh, actually, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna touch on that here in a few minutes as well. That's gonna be next. Um, so that let's just lead into that because there's not much more to talk about here. When it comes to this uh, Jake Paul Ryan Borland fight, 
really it is what it is it's another jake paul fight um can he knock someone out in the first round again uh is borland gonna give him more of a fight than andre august did who knows but you know the speculation continues the 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 whole just show continues on with jake paul and uh you know he's talking shit like normal they did a little bit of a face-off earlier you know he did the whole hat thing that he did to mayweather grabbed the dude's hat off his head threw it in the crowd you know little jaw jacking back and forth but nothing crazy so no big uh no big event or anything like that happening around this just you know it's more of amanda serrano being the main feature here obviously she's the main event but jake paul always brings the eyes and you know he's in conjunction with uh all the other organizations with this so it's it's a co-promotion mvp um and jake paul always has his hand in it and he's doing good things for these boxers so uh he definitely stands behind amanda serrano uh that's like his that's like his baby right there as far as uh in the boxing world with um you know having a fighter under him so uh he's 27 years old though so he's fighting Borland, who's 35 you know it's not a crazy uh it's not too crazy of a of an age difference so yeah it is what it is and <clears throat> don't forget to catch that happening uh oh crap i just closed it out and i meant to let me look at this again because i wanted to see exactly what day it's happening in puerto rico like i said and i wanted to see exactly what day it was happening again uh march 8th which means that that's is that wait what what am i talking about here are you serious 20 um i might have screwed up here you know what let's do this we go back no, it's it's Saturday. <laughs> what what I don't know what I was just looking at, but it definitely um it definitely threw me off there. So it is. It's Saturday. That scared me for a minute. I'm like, did I mix this up? March 8th is actually going to be the uh Francis Ngannou boxing match versus Anthony Joshua. So that's going to be crazy. So we're going to have a lot to talk about next week because again, that boxing match is happening next week ufc 299 is happening next weekend uh so a lot to talk about next week and i think there's a few other things but we'll hit that up next week um as far as the next thing on the list we'll talk about some pfl versus bellator champs versus champs and yeah bellator look good in this one man um you know the pfl acquired bellator if you're you know need to be caught up on that situation because you're like maybe you're like um what is this <laughs> because if you haven't followed it that's what's been going on bellator kind of folded up uh and 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 they sold everything off to uh pfl pfl acquires all their fighters that are eligible to come over and uh aren't you know um free agents or anything like that so they acquire all the champs and all the good fighters that they had some of them jump ship like michael venom page went over to the ufc Kayla Harrison's over at the UFC now. You know, a couple big names uh, jump ship. And then, oh, I'm sorry, that was PFL. But uh, Michael Venom Page was Bellator for sure. So, you know, some, ch some changes going on there with that acquisition. But, I mean, it's interesting to say that, you know, 
that that's all I really have to say about that. It's interesting the way that this went down. Again, it took away. I, I've mentioned this before. It took away some of the places that fighters can go outside of the UFC, and that kind of that kind of sucks. That's kind of a downer. But with PFL acquiring Bellator, having different types of opponents and, and competition um, that are going to be pretty much all under the PFL banner, they that it, it gives someone a. a a close second maybe not close a second place a second place place to go to i guess if that makes sense I, I don't know how to explain it it's just weird because bellator was kind of like the second in line after ufc just because of the longevity of that organization um and the history it had but uh and pfl was the th in third place closing in on second because of all the big events they've been having all the cloud around it the money that's been thrown behind it, the celebrities that are involved with it, all that good stuff. But now Bellator's gone. And even though PFL's keeping the Bellator name around probably for at least a year, they're they're trying to do something with it and keep that alive. But they kind of they kind of uh tripped on their own feet on this one because they brought the Bellator champs over and they did a an event where the Bellator champs uh fought the PFL champs. Basically, the biggest names in Bellator fought some of the biggest names in the PFL. And they went 1-5. So, only Henan Fajeda, uh won for the PFL side. And, I mean, there's a lot of good guys over there. Impa Kasangane, Ryan, uh, I'm sorry, Ray Cooper III, um, Tiago Santos, Clay Collard. I mean, Bruno Capeloza. Th those guys are all really great fighters. You know, former UFC fighters and all that good stuff. But uh, as far as Impa goes, Impa Kasangane, Tiago Santos, and Clay Collard all fought in the UFC. So uh, those are all ex-UFC fighters. And then you get other former UFC fighters that are in Bellator, like Brian Bader, uh, Yoel Romero. So, I mean, you got a couple over there as well. But Bellator went f uh, five and one. So AJ McKee versus Clay Collard. AJ McKee representing Bellator got the win over clay collard Yoel romero on the bellator side gets the win over tiago santos vadim nemkov versus bruno capeloza vadim nemkov gets the win for bellator jason jackson versus ray cooper jason jackson gets a big win there versus ray cooper uh for bellator and then johnny eblin with a hard-fought win over impa kasangane because impa looked really really good you know, Impa was was part of a viral clip um, during the pandemic uh, with uh, Joaquin Buckley, um, but he was on the he was on the the bad side of that clip because he was getting knocked out by a crazy spinning back kick that happened um, and was and it was a viral clip for the simple fact that Joaquin Buckley threw a kick, Impa caught the kick, Buckley decided to turn it into a spinning back kick to the face of Impa Kasangane as he was holding the opposite leg of Joaquin Buckley and Impa got knocked out cold and it was like a slow motion fall back flat on the mat kind of knockout highlight reel knockout for Joaquin Buckley so you know and then then he just didn't fare well for the rest of the time in the UFC gets released winds up in the pfl and has been doing big things ever since looking better and better every time and he looked really really damn good against johnny evelyn who everybody is high on right now 
um and and he's been a champ for a little bit and you know um masvidal jorge masvidal as is like just hyping Eblin up saying he's one of the best he's seen around they are uh teammates at american top team so you know he hypes him up quite a bit and 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 this is probably one of the toughest fights Eblin had uh in the recent past because just he, he's usually running through people and impa gave him a, a tough fight and actually looked like he was dominating him a bit in the in the beginning johnny evelyn got a little beat up but he came out with the win so and that makes the uh that's the fifth win there and then the the sixth and final fight was henan fajeda who is a fucking gigantic dude gigantic i, I think he's like fuck i don't even remember how tall he is he's definitely taller than the average guy he i think they said maybe like six seven six eight or something like that he's fucking huge and he's ripped like just a gigantic dude <laughs> against ryan bader who's probably like 5'11 and uh i mean he's pretty ripped too but he's not like he, he's not what you would call a he's not a big heavyweight because he's been a light heavyweight his entire career and then he switched over to the light to the heavyweight division and and got the title there and continued that reign for a while in bellator uh and i mean getting big wins uh over a lot of big names so it size didn't seem to matter but in this one Hen and fajeda just looked like a beast and he knocked out bader in tw like 20 seconds of the first round it was kind of sad actually but you know bader bader has been around for a while and uh you know um the end of his career in the ufc didn't look great for him but he moved over to bellator became a champion and held that status for quite a bit and you know maybe he's not fully done here but against someone as big as head and fajeda like that in the in in the heavyweight division it's tough man so and that was kind of a fight that was set up to welcome in francis Ngannou to the pfl in the mma uh division of course and uh and they they started talking about the fact that uh, the winner of that fight would get the first fight for uh Ngannou in the pfl uh and <laughs> man ryan bader dropped that one and that sucks for him but Henry Fajeda looks like a beast, like I said. So it's going to be just a Goliath versus a Goliath if those two actually match up and fight Nganu versus Fajeda. But, of course, there's all this talk about how everyone's doubting that Francis Nganu is even going to fight in MMA. He didn't stick around to maybe do an in-cage, you know, face-off with Henry Fajeda. It would have been picture-perfect. It would have been good promotion. You know, everyone's talking about that and, and saying that. So it's no news if you've heard it already. But, you know, instead, Nganu got up and he's leaving the arena as uh, as they're announcing, you know, Fajeda being the winner with his post-fight speech and all that. So everyone's talking about how they, you know, kind of dropped the ball on that one. But there's a lot of reasonings for it as far as uh, speculation goes. And, and some of them are pretty good, you know, points for uh Nganu. he does have this anthony joshua fight coming up so for him to go get in a cage and face off saying that this is his next fight in mma you know even though it's a different sport he's already kind of booking something in the future it kind of it's a weird thing so maybe he didn't feel right doing it because that's kind of what tyson fury did with alexander uh Usyk. he they announced that fight 
before they even before Nganu and Tyson even fought so maybe he thought that was a mistake and maybe he didn't like the way that felt so he was letting Fajeda get his shine in the moment enjoy his time and not be overshadowed by Nganu walking in the cage facing off who knows though and then you know every, there's a lot of other people talking about he doesn't even plan on coming back to MMA and all this other shit so that's why he didn't do it I guess we'll see I'll say this much if Nganu beats Anthony Joshua after the performance he put up against Tyson Fury where a lot of people thought it was possible that Nganu actually won that fight if he comes back and he fights Anthony Joshua and puts up that good of a fight as well or an even better showing and gets the win over Anthony Joshua one of the biggest names in boxing right now that's fucking insane that's going to catapult Nganu to another fucking level than he's already on and who knows if he comes back to MMA he's definitely going to prolong it because he's already ranked like number 10 after one fight that he lost uh and they gave him a, a, a big ranking like that so he beats Anthony Joshua or it be, it's a close fight that he loses he's going to stay up there and it's going to be good for him and <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to want to get away from boxing because that payday is, I mean, he's definitely getting a bag there. And I don't know if PFL is going to pay him like that because MMA as a whole does not pay that way. Not the way that these boxers are getting paid. And Ghana got 20 mil plus probably pay-per-view points for that fight. And if not, I'm sure he got more in the back end somewhere. So yeah, it's it's going to be tough to come back and fight for that measly little check that MMA will give him. <laughs> measly to him when it comes to it uh, because he just made 20 mil. So yeah, that's it for uh, PFL versus Bellator. Bellator coming out on top on that one. I'm sure they're going to have more events similar to this and uh, they're going to start integrating the uh, uh, all of the fighters uh, under PFL. But I don't know. They mentioned it being about a year before they start doing that. And they're going to keep that Bellator name uh, going for now. So we'll see how that goes. Let's move on to some game bread, bare knuckle MMA. If you're not sure about this or what this is, obviously there's bare knuckle boxing. If, if you pay attention to combat sports at all, you know that bare knuckle is a big thing right now. And... Of course, you know, it's not regular boxing. It's got a little, a little bit of different rules, but it's definitely not like MMA. Uh, you know, they can clinch up a little bit and dirty box and stuff like that with bare knuckle uh, boxing. But it's a far cry from bare knuckle MMA because, of course, bare knuckle MMA means you're fighting MMA with bare knuckles. There's, I mean, obviously, right? <laughs> I don't I don't think I need to spell that one out. But, uh, <laughs> but when it, when it comes down to it, 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 it's it's something Joe Rogan talked about for a long time, how uh, he thought that it would be more of a pure sport if they fought with no gloves. And of course, there was all these other ideas and stuff like that. But Rogan was always one talking about, you know, bare knuckle MMA. Well, Jorge Masvidal has his own organization, Game Bread Fighting. And under that banner, he has bare knuckle MMA and bare knuckle boxing. And I think he has a few other things going on there, too, like... I don't know if he does regular MMA, but bare knuckle MMA and bare knuckle boxing for him has been pretty good. So Junior Dos Santos, JDS, uh, former UFC heavyweight champion, uh, fought against, uh, who was it last time? 
uh Verdum. Yeah, I think he fought Verdum. Uh and you know, it was just a just a big fight basically uh that they made and Dos Santos got the win. So now he's fighting former middleweight fighter in the UFC, Alan Belcher, who has made his way all the way up to heavyweight division and has been doing really well up there in the heavyweight division. So this is the inaugural bare knuckle MMA world championship bout. So the first title that they're giving out for the heavyweight division, Junior Dos Santos versus Alan Belcher. So we got uh 21 and 10 for JDS versus 19 and 8 for Alan Belcher. Um, you know, JDS is 6'4, Belcher 6'2. Junior Dos Santos has never really been a gigantic heavyweight. So this is kind of a decent matchup for Alan Belcher, but he was down in the middleweight division, and that's like 185. So you're jumping from 185 to up to 265, almost a hundred pound jump. But you know, he looks pretty stout. Uh, he looks pretty muscular. He and, and he's been looking good in this bare knuckle MMA. So uh, and he's not that far off in weight. I mean, uh, JDS, like I said, kind of a smaller heavyweight, 246. Uh, Ellen Belcher's coming in at like 235. Uh, JDS only has like a two-inch reach over Belcher. So nothing crazy there. Could be exciting. Could be interesting. Uh, Belcher's been looking a lot better than he did. If you if you match up their careers in the UFC, I would say, obviously, JDS had a better career. Um, he was a champion. Alan Belcher never really made it to that level, uh, but he was he was damn good for for a while. So in the in in the UFC, but just to touch on a couple of other fights going on underneath this one, we got Chase Sherman, another former UFC fighter, versus Alex Nicholson, who I believe had a short stint in the UFC as well. Chase Sherman seventeen and twelve overall. Alex Nicholson fifteen and ten. Um, pretty even everywhere else i mean sherman's quite a bit heavier though i guess than nicholson 265 to nicholson's 226 but they got similar they're pretty much the same everywhere else records not far off and the reach is uh pretty equivalent so that should be an exciting fight chase sherman's been doing big things in bare knuckle mma as well haven't really followed much with alex nicholson but that should be an exciting fight the next one of note is Maurice the Crochet Boss Green. He was on the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, and um, he was kind of has John Jones as a mentor. So John Jones is all over the place when Maurice Green is fighting uh, in his interviews and everything. But <laughs> his nickname's a Crochet Boss because that's what he did to get away from all the outside noise was he crocheted in the, in the Ultimate Fighter house. Pretty funny, but also kind of weird. So... Uh, he's kind of an eccentric dude, though, anyway. But he's a great fighter. He's fighting uh, Guto Innocente, I think, is how you say that name. This is a heavyweight bout as well. 11-9 and nine for Murray's Green. 10-6 and six for uh, in- Innocente. Uh, let's see. 6-7 Green. Uh, Guto is 6-3. And then we got 261 in weight for Green and 250 for... Innocente and then green has holy shit that's a five inch reach so yeah he is a big dude um six seven I mean damn 
that's that's tall as hell so now you know why he has such a long reach on him but you know i i don't want to say he's in his fights are boring but i want to say they're not always action-packed i guess it depends on the opponent so we'll see how this one goes moving on to Je uh, jesse ronson versus anthony and Jaquani. both these guys had a short stand in the ufc as well ronson is 26 and 12 and Jaquani 16 and 13 not the greatest records there but yeah uh pretty similar height similar weight and uh looks like Njikwani has a what seven and a half inch reach advantage god damn that's a hell of a reach on him but um yeah i mean if i remember right Njikwani at least had somewhat of an exciting fight in the past but um i don't know much about jesse ronson but I mean, bare knuckle MMA seems to be pretty fun to watch, so uh, it could be exciting. Moving on to Carl Roberson versus Adriano Capitulino. Man, these fucking names. Um, nine and six for Roberson. Also was in the UFC at one point in time. Nine and five for Adriano. Uh, similar heights. The weight's kind of off there, so I'm wondering. It just says BKMMA bout. It doesn't say what weight division they're actually doing. So, yeah, that's interesting. But, I mean, these matchups, man, um, kind of crazy. Uh, I need to sit and watch one of these fights all the way through because I don't think I've actually sat and watched an entire event. So, But I do believe they do it for free on YouTube on the GameBread uh, YouTube channel. So, yeah, you could check that out. Uh, and then the last fight of note, there's a few other ones in between there, but nobody I really recognize. But this one I wanted to highlight just because it's Charles Felony Bennett, formerly known as Crazy Horse. So if you've been following MMA for a long time and you're around for pride and all that other good shit, uh, Crazy Horse Bennett was just like his name says, crazy as hell. And... Uh, man you listen to him talk and now his nickname's felony like there you go it just continues on but uh yeah so that's a featherweight bout i guess those other ones are kind of catchweight bouts because it just says bk mma uh bout so yeah uh he's fighting joe penafiel uh it's not a lot to go off of there i don't really know penafiel very well crazy horse now known as felony <laughs> charles bennett just been around for a long time you know he's like one of those ogs that uh came up in mma a lot of people recognize his name just for his antics and the way he fought and all that good shit so yeah catch the uh game bread uh bk bare knuckle mma uh fights going on i think let me double check because i closed that window like a dumbass so i want to see uh when is that actually happening saturday saturday as well so we got the boxing match saturday we got the bk uh bare knuckle uh mma fights on saturday and we are gonna have ufc on saturday as well so a lot of events going on saturday night but on friday night you can watch uh one championship 
166. Uh, that'll be happening Friday night, I believe. On let's see. Damn, I don't even know how to watch this. I, I they were having it on Amazon Prime, so that might be where it is. But Rainier de Ritter versus Anatoly Malik Malikan Malikin. Um, this is a middleweight MMA world championship fight. So then we got a featherweight MMA world championship unification bout with Tang Kai versus Ton Lee. Uh that is the co-main. You have another championship fight. Strawweight MMA World Championship fight. Jared Brooks versus Joshua Pasio. Uh, and then we got some heavyweight MMA. Arjun, uh, Arjun Buller versus Amir Alakbari. And then we have a catchweight boxing match. Z- uh, Z- Zaire Al-Khatani versus Mehdi Zatout. One championship is the one of the toughest ones to pronounce names. Lots of international fighters. So yeah, we also have some flyweight submission grappling going on. Muay Thai, a lot of Muay Thai. So mostly Muay Thai and MMA, and one submission grappling match happening. A uh, lot of guys I don't recognize on these on the lower card. But I mean, if you if you like combat sports, this is a good one to watch. You get a little bit of everything. Uh, let's see. It doesn't even say on the poster. That's a damn shame. I'm not even sure how to watch it. Honestly, it's probably on Amazon Prime. That's if I'm thinking about where it's happened before. That would probably be where it is. So check it out if you want to watch a bit of uh, everything. That's one championship is a good place to go. And this this main this main event this title fight right here should be a banger because both these guys I've seen both highlights from both of them, RDR for sure is an exciting fighter and always involved in a war, um, and this being a title fight, it's gonna be a good one. So check it out. Let's move on and get into back into the UFC and and get a little recap of UFC Fight Night two thirty seven. Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royvel. This happened in Mexico City. So it was, you know, basically UFC Mexico. Um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it was a decent event. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the crowd was crazy, to say the least. Um, there was some brawls happening in the, in the stands. I mean, people were clearing out chairs and basically just having their own fights out in the stands. Um, one of note was, I mean, I, I thought I heard that there was multiples, but there was one caught on camera when it made its rounds on social media. Basically there's like dudes just brawling out there and you got this one guy who throws a mean left hook to another one, drops him, knocks him out. <laughs> and then some other guy gets pushed away by someone else. And then this same dude throws another left hook, drops that guy. And then everybody just kind of like looks around and goes, I think we're done here. And next thing you know, everyone's dispersing. Nobody gave a shit, though. Uh, no, <laughs> there was no security. Uh, Dana White talked about it in the post-fight press conference, how it was one of the, some of the craziest shit he's seen. 
because he said there was no security. Nobody gave a shit that there was fights going on. People were just backing up and kind of watching. Chairs were getting moved strategically out of the way. <laughs> you know, nobody was throwing chairs or nothing. People were just throwing hands. Uh, so, yeah, it was um, interesting. <laughs> and, then, and then Dana said, basically, when they were done, everyone just, like, went their own ways. Everyone kind of knew it was over. It was done. No one wanted it anymore. So everyone kind of straightened some chairs out, sat back down, and continued <laughs> watching the fights. Mexico City's wild. Uh, but, yeah, that made for an interesting... <laughs> interesting fan interaction of sort i guess but uh yeah i mean it was a pretty decent night of fights nothing outstanding nothing that really stood out a lot you know that a lot of times you look for you know the standout fights that that may make the whole card and there wasn't really a lot of that in this one um looks like a lot of submissions though for sure i didn't get to watch a lot of the undercard but uh there was a quick uh, injury in the first round. Um, Mohamed John Naimov versus Eric Silva in the featherweight division. That ended in the first round. Uh, considered a TKO, but it was a leg injury on Silva's behalf. So Naimov got the win there. Uh, split decision in the next. Felipe Dos Santos versus Victor Altamarino. Uh, Dos Santos gets that win by split decision. Ronaldo Rodriguez versus uh, Dennis Bondar. That was a submission by rear naked choke in the second round. Rodriguez got that win in the flyweight division. Then you got Ferris Ziam versus Claudio Puelas. That was a split decision as well. Ziam with the win there in the lightweight division. And then uh, Edgar Chires versus Daniel De Silva. 131 catch weight fight. That was a submission by Triangle. Chires gets the win there. Jesus Santos Aguilar versus Mateos Mendoca. <laughs> that was a split decision in the flyweight division. Uh, Aguilar getting the win there. And then Honey Barcelos with a win over Christian Quinones in the bantamweight division. That was in the third round by submission. Rear naked choke. And then we get to the main card. And we start with Manuel Torres in the lightweight division versus Chris Duncan. This one was a pretty exciting fight. I mean, a lot of people figured it would be just because of the two fighters involved. Uh, Chris Duncan always puts up a good fight. And Manuel Torres is is a skilled fighter for sure. So um, uh, I thought this was going to be more of a striking battle. But Torres, you know, took it to the ground in the first round. And gets a submission by rear naked choke after a few other submission attempts. It was it was a lot of ground fighting here. Torres is definitely superior when it comes to that uh, aspect of fighting. And yeah, he locked in that rear naked choke on Chris Duncan and gets the win in the first round. A minute 46 seconds in, so it didn't take much. Uh, that was a pretty quick fight. Then we move into the women's strawweight division. Yasmin, uh, who, who, oh man, I forgot how to say it. I can't just, Yasmin, <laughs> I can't remember how to say it. I went over this a few times last week trying to remember how to say it. It's just so, uh, deceiving the way it's spelled. It's not really said the way it's spelled. Uh, 
But yeah, uh, she fought Sam Hughes in the strawweight division. Gets a unanimous decision win, but she beat Sam Hughes. She beat her up quite a bit. I mean, lots of lots of strategic punches she landed. She was getting through her defense. Even the ones that uh, Sam Hughes tried to, you know, or, or were successful in blocking, it still got through a bit. Sam Hughes is pretty beat up for the most part. I mean, Yasmin was like a gigantic favorite in this fight. And she proved everybody right there. So, not too bad of a women's fight. Um, unanimous decision win. Uh, but it was a pretty uh, it was a pretty eventful fight all the way through. You know, lots of striking on Yasmin's part. And she looked pretty good doing it. So, let's move into the men's lightweight division. Daniel Zellhuber versus Francisco Prado. Uh... Let's see. Oh, you know what? Before I get too far in, I've already covered two fights. Uh, Manuel Torres versus Chris Duncan. I did have... Uh, I'm speaking about my picks now because I'm so horrible at picking. <laughs> I did pick Manuel Torres and I did pick Yasmin, whatever her last name is. Uh, so I was two for two there. Zell Huber versus Prado. Um, this was an okay fight. Nothing too crazy. Zell Huber comes out with the win though by unanimous decision. Uh, he was he was the favorite, but I went against the favorite in this one. I went for the underdog. I was hoping Prado would take the uh, take the win away here and 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 get an underdog win, but he he was not able to do it. So unanimous decision win for Daniel Zell Huber. Um, looked pretty decent in this fight. I was just hoping Prado would come out and. And be a bit quicker and a bit more reactive and just didn't happen. So now we get to the meat of the card. The co-main event. Probably the best fight on the card as far as I'm concerned. Yair Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega. Uh, and yeah, Yair looked looked like the good Yair. <laughs> he was uh he was landing strikes like crazy. Basically, uh, oh man, I'm like, I got the hiccups and that one just like took my breath away kind of, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So it, you know, this was a featherweight fight. Ortega hadn't fought in, a, in almost two years, I think, because he was, uh, nursing that shoulder injury that he got the last time he fought Yair Rodriguez. So this was a rematch because, you know, Ortega got hurt last time separated his shoulder wound up having to have surgery all that good shit but uh yeah Yair was looking good in this one busted up Ortega Ortega's always taking damage man uh that's what scares me when he fights because if he fights someone who's on their game always with the striking he gets busted up and I mean he could take a beating as we saw against uh what's it Max Holloway or Volkanovski or both I mean I I just I, every fight I think of and remember Brian Ortega his face is just busted up and he's bloody that's just how he I don't know I don't get it he's 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 too he's um too strong for his own good I guess I don't know too tough for his own good but uh Yair was just landing landing strikes you know doing his normal kicks body kicks the big knees um, you know, just wearing down Brian Ortega. I believe he even dropped him in the first round. Um, and I, he might have dropped him a couple different times, 
but he was just landing flush on him over and over i mean look at this punch right here and already you know ortega's busted up and his nose is bloody but man i i like brian ortega a lot i just feel like he needs to work on that defense with the striking he needs to work on some hand movement and i mean some head movement and some 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 footwork or something because he just stands in front and gets hit and i don't understand it uh and i feel bad for the guy because he just takes a beating and he doesn't get stopped often with that uh i mean not in the not in the dramatic fashion where it's like oh this dude's been knocked out a few times like he needs to quit it's more just like why like your body's way too tough it takes too much punishment and you're taking too many headshots and that sucks uh it sucks to say because I like, you know, I like Ortega a lot. But, again, just letting these punches through. But, yeah, here's a, a great striker. Um, just crazy dynamic strikes that he that he does. He's awkward and and uh, unorthodox for the most part. Just the way he fights. And he, But he's explosive and he's, and he's tough and he, he's strong. I mean, look at this. It almost looks like Ortega's out right here. So, that's just kind of how the fight went until it didn't because the first round looked like this and the beginning of the second round but then ortega kind of found his way back a little bit in ortega's defense though um unfortunate turn of events for him uh with before the fight even started he was being announced you know bouncing around doing the normal thing while bruce buffer's doing his thing and he, he, he does a little jump up and down kind of knees to chest thing. Comes down and rolls his fucking ankle before he even starts fighting. Like, everyone was tripping, thinking, uh-oh, he might have just hurt himself. This fight might not even go on. Speaking of fights that didn't go on, Raul Rosas Jr. versus uh, Ricky Tercio. That fight got scrapped right before they were about to fight. Uh, they waited to the last minute, and then... They told everyone on the broadcast that basically that fight got canceled because uh, Raul Rosas was sick. He was just like super sick. And and they said that there's just no way he was going to be able to fight. So there's the rare last second really cancellation of a bout. Um, you know, most of the time it happens right before the card starts or something like that. Uh, it hasn't happened very often that uh, it gets it gets scrapped in the middle of the card already being in play and live. So uh, that was unfortunate, but we almost had it again, happen again with this one. You know, if, if this would have been a bit more of a kind of serious injury for Brian, it would have been bad and they would have had to scrap this fight too. And this was the co-main event and one of the biggest fights on the card, if not the biggest fight that people were looking forward to. So Ortega rolls his ankle, but, you know, he shakes it off and he, he runs through it again. Just too tough for his own good sometimes. And maybe that maybe that is what, uh, you know, contributed to his, you know, movement and stuff. Maybe, you know, I kind of forgot that when I was saying it. Head movement's one thing, but uh, footwork and, 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 and stuff like that is going to be... He's going to be at a detriment when it comes to those things with that you know ankle sprain that he he suffered in the beginning there who knows how you know how kind of uh like the inflammation you know like how swollen maybe that ankle got and you gotta know it's 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 hurting him especially moving around and having to pivot and stuff uh 
it's tough and he's already not a big striker so i mean he's throwing kicks and shit though right here you can tell throwing a kick with the same ankle that he rolled so he powered through it i mean good on him i give him props for that for sure but as you can see here bloodied busted up his lips he's got two fat lips his nose is all bloody you can see the swelling on his forehead you know over the eyebrows and stuff he's already busted up here but he persevered he continued on he landed strikes of his own and he finally got it to the ground and did some work down there busted up Yair uh landed some elbows and stuff like that uh this picture was just like super clear and kind of a crazy picture so it was probably like my favorite picture I had of all this um or that I was able to find obviously I didn't have it but <laughs> you know what I mean but yeah nasty ground and pound going on here Brian Ortega making a turn for the better and then uh winds up getting the arm triangle choke submission in the third round over Yair Rodriguez and I mean like this just looked like that was an unlikely scenario when you saw the beginning of the fight with how much Brian was getting hit and, and taking damage and how good Yair looked on his feet but he just got busted up couldn't shake it off came to the ground and that's where Brian Ortega you know that's where he does well because he's a high level jiu-jitsu guy and he's great on the ground so he was able to wrap him up get that arm triangle choke and submit Yair Rodriguez so now I mean he's in contention here because uh you know he was already kind of you know up there uh fighting someone like Yair Rodriguez who's you know had some really great fights and uh yeah they were just kind of fighting to see you know who's gonna con who's gonna move up in the rankings and who might you know have to fight their way up again but uh just unexpected turn in this fight for me watching brian ortega turn it around and wind up getting the wind up getting the submission it was great for him and you know he talked about afterwards how he's like kind of straightened up his life i guess he was getting into some shit before uh he's had a hard childhood growing up and stuff living in the hood gangs you know gang violence gang affiliated type stuff um you know it always seems like he's kind of a wholesome type guy but you hear him talk sometimes and he he lets that ghetto-ness come out of him a little bit uh <laughs> that street talk and mentality but um you know i guess he had a lot of personal issues going on and and people not being good to him you know of course there's the well-known uh just i guess stuff he had to overcome when it came to his relationship with uh tracy cortez that didn't seem like it ended well so there was just a bunch of shit going on and um he got hurt and stuff and then i guess he he became a bit religious now i mean i guess he was always kind of you know a faithful type guy but like or faith-based type guy but i guess he's really delved into that and uh, he talked about it a little bit in the uh, post-fight press conference. So that's interesting. I guess um, I guess we'll see where that takes him. Uh, I just hope that he's able to recover well and uh, work on some of that defense and head movement, footwork and stuff. Because, man, I, I hate seeing him get beat up so bad. It's almost like you'd rather see him get knocked out quick than take all that damage and wonder how he's going to be afterwards. 
He's had a couple fights in there where it didn't look good for him. So let's get move on to the main event. Uh, congrats to Brian Ortega on that win. I'm sure Yair Rodriguez will make his way back fairly quick because um, he's a pretty skilled fighter. So Brian Ortega, I mean, I'm sorry, Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royvel. You know, these guys, man, these guys uh, just action all the way through, you know, the flyweight division. These guys are fast. You know, a lot of them don't have, like, true knockout power, but when they're fighting somebody in their own weight division, it, you know, sometimes it comes out. But these guys are more volume fighters. Um, but they're quick. They're quick. And, and that's the thing is, uh, hey, I just see. Now I'm seeing uh, an ad for uh, one championship, and it definitely is going to be on Prime. So you can watch that Friday, tomorrow on Amazon Prime. So there you go. Confirmed. <laughs> I didn't see it before. It wasn't on anything I had prepped. So back to this. So Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royvel. Uh, these guys have fought before. Moreno got the win in the, uh, you know, before, oh, way back in the day. You know, it was years back. And of course, you know, Moreno's been battling uh, with Davison Figueredo for four fights. And then, you know, he's gotten other fights that he's defended championships and stuff like that he's been a title holder for off and on for a while and then you know unfortunately he lost it to alexandre pantoja which i say unfortunately usually i'll say unfortunately for moreno but i say unfortunately overall because i don't really like pantoja much there's something about that dude that rubs me the wrong way but this was somewhat of a seemingly a title eliminator fight or a number one contender fight whatever you want to call it but Brandon Royville was coming off of a loss to Pantoja as well. So it's kind of weird. They both lost to Pantoja and straight away they fight each other. Brandon Moreno looked pretty good in the beginning. Um, but it just seems like he's lost a little bit after all these wars he's been in with all these guys. Not even all these guys, Figueredo. Um, and then getting beat by Pantoja. And it just looks like he isn't the same fighter he was before. These wars have taken a toll on him. Um, he's just the nicest dude, so it's hard to even talk about, talk negatively about his, you know, his fighting career. But, I mean, he still looked impressive, still looked pretty fast. Uh, it just seems like he's lost a little bit of a step. So, you know, Royvel being the younger fighter, um, he was able to turn it up and turn it on and get the best of Moreno because yeah once he turned it around it he looked impressive and uh you know these guys they do go to decision a lot but it's high paced and a lot of action so you know the younger I mean the younger <laughs> the smaller weights always have a lot of action it just seems it's just a different pace uh they're just so fast and they can hold you know they can hold a high pace for a long time so it just seems like such a crazy fight. But uh, like I said, Roy Vell just started getting the best of him. Looked like a, he just put up a great performance, really. And Moreno, with, with the way that it just seems like he's, you know, just lost a little bit. And losing that little bit is just a, just too much for some of the higher competition here. And maybe he needs to, you know, take a step back, take a little bit of a break, and possibly, you know, fight some lower-level competition just to kind of you know get get that rhythm back the ufc doesn't usually really work that way but it's it's not a 
It's not unheard of. So it's a possibility. But in the end, Brandon Royvel gets the split decision win. So it was close all the way through. Uh, I think if Moreno was still fighting the way he was against uh, Figueredo those times, he might have taken gotten the best of Royvel here. But I think uh, Royvel just is ready to... You know, he felt like he didn't have the best of fights and the best showing against Pantoja. So I think he, you know, getting this win against Moreno and, and making it look good. And it wasn't a, a hugely decisive win because a split decision means one of those judges thought that Moreno won. But the judging's been weird lately. Uh, but in the end, you know, he gets the win. And it's I'm sure it's good for his confidence. I'm sure it's good for his career overall. Uh, beating somebody like Moreno so we'll see what that catapults him to and then um, I'll be interested to see where Moreno goes from here uh, after all of these crazy wars and you know back and forth title defenses and and title fights and stuff it's going to be tough but uh, hopefully he takes a little bit of a break and reassesses and comes back because he's a he's a really good like cool guy really and he's really nice so it's hard to root against him but you know he does have some beefs out there with like Henry Cejudo and stuff so maybe that's a fight they can make Henry Cejudo versus Brandon Moreno if Cejudo wants to go down because Cejudo is a weight class above uh unless uh Moreno decides to take a step up because maybe he just done enough in this division that's a possibility too so uh just just something to think about there <clears throat> you never know with the way that these guys work and and how things go after they get a few losses under their belt and can't seem to you know put together the wins and enough to be able to get back to that title but let's move on to this week's fight ufc fight night 238 or ufc vegas 80 something 687 i don't remember but it is an apex card, and that's why the UFC Vegas number inserted here. <laughs> uh, that's why that title is relevant, because it is happening at the apex. Apparently, this was supposed to happen in Saudi Arabia, maybe, this fight. Jarzinho Rosenstruck versus Shamil Gaziev. But uh, they moved it here for whatever reason. I don't know. That's just something I heard in passing. That's why I even mentioned it, because... It's always interesting to know why they're in the apex or why they schedule it in the apex and it seems like a lot of these fights got moved over just to make an event i guess maybe just one of those filler events in between the big um the big pay-per-views so yeah uh not a ton going on on this card i hate to say um especially when i mean someone like jarzinho rosenstruck who's fought a lot of big names but, I mean, uh, Kaziev is undefeated, but he's not super well-known uh, to a lot of people. So, that's what makes this one tough, you know? Uh, and when you have that kind of a main event and not a lot to support it underneath, just makes for a mediocre card, kind of. But these could be those sleeper... This could be one of those sleeper cards that has a hot, lot of highlight reel finishes, a lot of crazy fights. That, that kind of shit happens a lot. So... I guess we'll just have to sit back and wait and check it out. I mean, this fight definitely has a lot of competition when it comes to viewership. I know that the one championship fights... Oh, that's Friday. 
um the game bread bare knuckle fight is free uh this is free as well if you have espn plus so it's not technically free but you don't have to pay extra for it like a pay-per-view so with that in mind if you know there's a lot of competition for viewership here and then the jake paul uh amanda serrano card is happening on saturday as well but that's happening in puerto rico so there might be a time difference there so it might overlap a bit or it might you know might not i don't even know for sure 100 percent but you know a lot of competition for for views on on these fights on saturday because there's you know these three big events but uh yeah let's look at the lower card uh man i'm trying to see i don't recognize a lot of these names abdul kareem al salwadi 15 and 3 in the lightweight division versus loik radzabov who's 17 and 5 I don't know a lot of these guys, man. Uh, this is tough. Vinicius de Oliveira versus Bernardo Sopai. That's a bantamweight fight. Uh, Christian Leroy Duncan, I've heard of definitely. Watched him fight a bit uh, against Claudio Ribeiro. So that's, you know, those are a couple names I recognize in the middleweight division. Uh, Duncan is 9-1. Ribeiro is 11-4. Should be a decent fight there. Eamon Zahabi, who is Faraz Zahabi's brother. Faraz Zahabi, if you don't know, is the coach that was the main head coach for George St. Pierre. Uh, so his brother is fighting in MMA, has been for a bit, but uh, he's 10 and 2, uh, fighting in the Bantamweight division versus Javid Basharat, who is undefeated 14 and 0. So that should be a pretty interesting fight. Eamon. Eamon hasn't done a, a whole lot of note. Um, he hasn't. He, he's been a couple, maybe one fight here or there that hasn't looked great. But uh, let's see his opponent, Javid Barshart. Bar, Barshart, <laughs> another tough name. Uh, he is from Dana White's Contender Series, and he is he won three in a row and has a no contest. But as far as Eamon Zahabi goes, uh, 10 and 2. He's on a three fight win streak in the UFC. Oh, that's what I was remembering. So he won his debut fight and then lost two in a row that he did not, he looked, he did not look good at all in those fights. But then he's back on a three fight win streak. Um, one of those wins being against Ricky Tercios, who was a Ultimate Fighter winner. And you know was supposed to fight this past weekend so yeah Eamon Zahabi on a three fight win streak against the undefeated Basharat that is a bantamweight fight uh Ludovic Klein versus AJ Cunningham in the lightweight division Klein is 20 and 4 AJ Cunningham is 11 and 13 and then the featured main you know prelim fight Eric Anders versus Jamie Pickett. I I believe it's the main. You know what? That Raul Rosas Jr. versus Ricky Tercios. That was um, when they they scrapped that fight uh, last weekend, and they were gonna put it on this week's uh, fight card. But then it got scrapped from that too. So uh, apparently Rosas is just still sick or something. So yeah. 
Uh, I thought maybe for a minute they moved him up, but they didn't. So Eric Anders versus Jamie Pickett in the middleweight division uh, is the featured bout in the prelim card. Eric Anders is 15 and 8. Uh, your boy is his nickname. Uh, he's coming off a loss to Mark Andre Barrio, though. Uh, that was a unanimous decision in June of last year. He had a win against Kyle Dawkins, but then had two losses in a row before that. So, you know, kind of back and forth on that. No big streaks going on in throughout his uh, his career there. But he's fighting Jamie Pickett, who unfortunately, oh man, um, the big time. He's thirteen and ten. And he's on a four-fight losing streak. So this might be it for Jamie Pickett in the UFC. I'm surprised he's still around. Fighting a tough opponent like Eric Anders. Man, but I mean, Pickett has lost to Kyle Dawkins, uh, Dennis Tolulin, Bo Nickel, and then Josh Framed. So, I mean, not the easiest opponents, but damn, four-fight losing streak. He, he won two in a row before that. And then lost two in a row before that. So he's got a lot of losses, man. I mean, look at his record, 13 and 10. Um, he's a decent fighter, but fuck. That's a bad, that's a horrible record. And to be on a four-fight losing streak, he, he better fight, maybe not too desperate, but he better fight like he means it this time and <laughs> do something. Because you get that fifth loss in a row in the UFC, it's time to go. Um not by my choice i'm just saying that's that's how it works there so let's get into the main card first fight of the main card match now versus steve urseg match now is 34 years old 16 7 and 1 in mma 6 5 and 1 in the ufc 2 and 4 in ko tkos uh that's never a good sign when you've gotten ko'd or tko'd more times than you've won but uh nine and two in submissions four and one in decisions and coming off a loss. So, uh, Steve Urzeg, Urzeg is his opponent. A um, lot of big, a lot of good talk on Steve Urzeg. A lot of people high on this guy. 28 years old, 11 and 1 in MMA, 2 and 0 in the UFC, 1 and 0 in KOTKOs, 6 and 0 in submissions, 4 and 1 in decisions. He's on a two fight win streak right now. Um, but, match now. Like I said, coming off a loss. Uh, man, he's got like win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. That's kind of how it goes. So, following that, he should get a win this time. But it doesn't always work that way. He lost his last fight against Mateos Nicolau by KO in the second round back in December of 2022. So, it's been over a year since he's fought. Uh, but his opponent, Steve Ursaig... Like I said, a lot of people are high on this guy. Uh, he looks deceiving because he does not look like a fighter, but he's a pretty damn good fighter. Um, I mean, 11-1, almost undefeated. His his loss, his only loss was way back in 2017, and it wasn't. he's undefeated in the UFC. He's only got two fights, but undefeated. David Dovrek and Alessandro Costa were his two fights in the UFC. Both unanimous decision wins. Uh, before that, he had a lot of submission wins. No KO. T oh, yeah. One KO win, but no, no other ones. So really, that was a first round one, too, though. Damn. But uh, a lot of submissions and decisions there for Ursaig. So we'll see what kind of fight match now can give him. 
Um, but yeah, that's your first first fight on the main card. Moving over to the next fight, which is Umar Nurmagomedov versus uh, Bekzat Al Almakan. <laughs> uh, Umar Nurmagomedov has been kind of on a tear. I mean, he's undefeated, so yeah, he's definitely been on a tear. He was actually scheduled to fight Corey Sanhagen, so it's kind of weird that now he's fighting a guy making his UFC debut. But he's highly touted. A lot of people are talking about how how good his skills are. But I mean, to to get such a jumping competition, like he's never really fought anybody like Umar Nurmagomedov, much less anyone else that's really been in the UFC. He's never really fought anyone at that level. So this should be interesting to see. Is he going to come out and be the super prospect that it seems like he is? And if he gets a win over Nurmagomedov, it's it's looking promising for him. But Umar is 28 years old. Uh, he is the cousin of Khabib, if you were wondering, because of that Nurmagomedov last name. Uh, 4-0 in the UFC, 2-0 KO, TKOs, 7-0 in submissions, 7-0 in decisions, and he's on a 4-5 win streak. But technically, he's on a 16-fight win streak because he's never lost. So he's undefeated. Uh, but he's um, he's got four fights in the UFC, and he's won all of them. So... Uh, Bescott, 26 years old, 14 and one. Uh, this is his UFC debut. Like I mentioned before, he's 12 and 0 in KO TKOs. So there's a fucking stat right there. That's pretty, pretty outstanding. Stands out. I mean, fuck, 12 and 12 of his 14, 12 of his 15 fights have been wins for him by KO or TKO. That's a hell of a stat right there. But again, level of competition. Umar Nurmagomedov is more of a, a ground fighter, but he's got good striking as well. So, um, you know, it, this doesn't mean a whole lot if you haven't fought someone like Nurmagomedov. So it's it's going to be tough for him. But uh, he's one and one in submissions. So there you go. I mean, he's 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 even. He might as well not even have a record there. I mean, but he has lost by submission one, so I guess that does mean something. And he's one and zero in decisions. He's on an eight-fight winning streak. Um, none of being in the UFC, obviously, but I wanted to throw that in there just because he is on that big win streak. So, again, Umar Nurmagomedov, like I mentioned, is a great wrestler, grappler. I mean, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, he's got that Dagestani wrestling and all that. So, let's check out his, uh, let's see. Pony Barcelos was his last fight that he won by KO, body kick, and punch in the first round. Let's see, who were his other UFC fights? Nathan Manis. That was a decision win. Brian Keller. Brian Boom Kelleher. He got a rear naked choke on in the first round of that fight. And then Sergey Morozov. That was a, a rear naked choke as well. So a lot of submissions in there. Like I said, that ground game, man. He gets those takedowns. He gets you down there, punishes you, and puts you in a submission. So can Bescott defend that? That's the question here, being that he's never really fought anyone at the level, I'm sure, of Umar. But he's got a lot of KOTKO wins. So if he can get a hold of Umar before uh, Umar gets, you know, that 
that rhythm going and and gets gets him to the ground quickly if if he can sneak some punches or kicks in there he's got ko's by all of that tko ko tko ko head kick punches uh he's got a submission in there um a submission to punches guillotines i mean fuck tko lots of doctor stoppages and corner stoppages so he beats the shit out of people that makes them quit like that wants their corner to i mean their corner wants their fighter to stop getting beat and you know doctors have called it so i mean this guy is dangerous on his on the feet and dangerous with his striking but i don't know again i don't know if he can overcome all that wrestling and grappling of uh Nurmagomedov. so that should be interesting uh that should be a good one let's move on to alex perez versus mohammed mukayev which this fight has some big implications behind it because um yeah in that flyweight division you know there's a there's a lot going on in that division right now and a lot of people are thinking Makayev can get this win and move his way up closer to that title fight but Alex Perez is a great fighter as well and he's been you know he's been dropping a few fights here and there but he definitely has potential and has looked very uh impressive in the past but I mean Makayev I mean shit he's on a five fight win streak he's undefeated in the UFC this is a, kind of a crazy matchup here. I don't, I don't truly understand it all that much, but it is what it is. That's what happens. Uh, Alex Perez is 31 years old, 24 and seven in MMA, six and three in the UFC, uh, five and one in KOTKOs, seven and five in submissions, 12 and one in decisions. A lot of decision wins for Alex Perez. <laughs> a lot of decisions in general for him. He's on a two fight losing streak though. And Mohamed Mukayev is 23 years old. 11-0-1 in MMA, 5-0 in the UFC, 2-0 KOTKOs, 6-0 submissions, and 3-0 in decisions. Uh, and again, he's on a 5-5 win streak because he's undefeated in the UFC. So, Alex Perez, like I said, going to have a tough one in this one. But uh, I, I, I don't really know what to say about... I mean, his last two losses were by submission. So... And it looks like, um, you know, Makayev is definitely good on the ground with submissions. I mean, but Alex Perez lost to Alexandre Pantoja, who's the current champ. Um, lost to David, Davison Figueredo, who was the champ previous to <laughs> uh, Pantoja and Moreno. So, I mean, it's not like he's fighting the lower level guys and losing. He's fighting the highest elite guys in the division former champions current champions so uh he has a win over juicy a formiga jordan espinoza and uh mark de la rosa and i mean he's it's it's mixed up his losses are by submission but he's got some ko tkos and decisions all mixed up in there so like i said he, he's a, he's a pretty damn good fighter and he was looking good and then you know he just fought the top of the top of the food chain there and and unfortunately came away with some losses so those are his last two losses in a row but uh mohammed mikhaev again with those submissions um six and oh in submissions but uh he's undefeated in the ufc his uh let's see how many his five fights in the ufc pretty decent names cody durden charles johnson and malcolm gordon 
uh, Rafael, Rafael Filio and Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott was his last fight in October of last year. That was a submission by arm triangle. Uh, this that you see here against Filio was a neck crank submission, neck crank. Malcolm Gordon submission. Charles Johnson decision. Cody Dernan submission. So basically four out of his five fights in the UFC have been wins by submission. So if you're looking on a prop bet, that might be the one to go for with Alex Perez having two fight two losses in a row by submission and Mohamed Makayev having four out of his five last fights being won by submission. Sounds like a good bet. <laughs> but um you know what? I did it again. I, I haven't even been going over my picks. You know, I'll just leave them for the end. Fuck it. I'll just leave them for the end. Um, and I'll show that graphic at the end with the breakdown of my picks. So Makayev here looking like the f is the favorite for sure. But uh yeah, and Alex Perez needs to get a win. Otherwise, that might he might be looking at getting cut because three losses in a row, we know what that means. And if he get, loses by submission again, Dana White's definitely gonna be like this guy needs to go learn some jiu-jitsu defense and uh, get better with his ground game. So, let's move on to the next fight. Vitor Petrino versus Tyson Pedro. And actually, I believe this is... Yeah, this is a co-main event. Uh, this is a light heavyweight fight. So, you know, the bigger weights are at the top here. Vitor Petrino is undefeated in MMA. 26 years old, 10-0 overall, 3-0 in the UFC, 7-0 in KOTKOs, 1-0 in submissions, 2-0 in decisions. And, of course, he's on a three-fight win streak in the UFC, 10-fight win streak overall because he's undefeated. So, uh, I mean, he's got, you know, only one sub in there. More KOTKOs than anything. But he's fighting Tyson Pedro. And if you've been around and followed uh, MMA for a while, Tyson Pedro's been around. And he's a pretty good fighter himself. 32 years old, 10 and 4 in MMA, 6 and 4 in the UFC, 5 and 1 in TKO KOs, 5 and 1 in submissions, and 0 and 2 in decisions. So if it goes to decision, that's not looking good for him. Petrino's undefeated in decisions, so, I mean, there's something right there, but uh, Tyson Pedro's coming off a win. Let's take a look at uh, Petrino. Vitor Petrino. Uh, he's got some vicious ground and pound. If he gets you on the ground, you gotta be careful with that. Modestus Bukakis was his last win by KO in the second round back in November. Before that, Martin Pracnio, uh, that was a submission win for him in the third round. Anton Tercali, decision. Adolfo Bellato was a KO. Oh, that was his uh, Dana White Contender Series fight. Uh, and that was a KO as well in the second round. So, yeah. I mean, he's he's kind of got a little bit of everything. So, you know, this, this looks like it could be a tough fight. For, oh, shit. Press the wrong button. There we go. But yeah, big big striking, but he can also submit people. Petrino undefeated. It's gonna be a tough one for Tyson Pedro. But uh Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's he, Pedro's well versed in the UFC. Um, you know, 
he's been around a little bit and uh you know has a few losses though which is unfortunate but anton Tricali was his last win by ko in the first round uh has a loss to Modestus bukakis so they have a couple of the same uh opponents uh let's see he lost to shogun lost to Ovin saint Pru, lost to Alira tv so those are big names that he's losing to there the other guys he's getting wins over um so i mean he's got a win over khalil roundtree as well that's pretty impressive that was his uh that was his uh debut fight and then his second fight was against paul craig which he got a win over paul craig as well so i mean he's it's he's got potential he's got the talent um he just has to put it all together and try to get the best of petrino but with petrino having that undefeated record you know it's going to be a tough fight but it should be an exciting one for the light uh light heavyweight division co-main event for ufc fight night 238 let's move on to the main event and wrap this fucker up we got Jarzinho, Biggie Boy, Rosenstruck versus Shamil Gaziev. This is another undefeated fighter for Gaziev. Uh, in, in undefeated in overall and 1-0 in the UFC. But, you know, Rosenstruck has... He's fought a lot of big names. Like, a lot of big names. And, uh, you know, his record's not... Doesn't, doesn't sound like he's... Well, I mean, his record's not that bad. It's just that he's got a decent amount of losses. But, I mean, again, he's fighting the big-name fighters. So, this is a heavyweight fight, obviously. Uh, Jarzinho is 36 years old, 13-5 and five in MMA, 7-5 and five in the UFC. So, that's where it's tough. You know, he only has two more wins, and he has losses in the UFC. But 12-2 uh, and two in KO, TKOs, 0-1 in submissions. That's notable right there, and you'll see why when we compare it. I'm sure if you're looking, you, you can see already. One and two in decisions, so that's not great. And he's coming off a loss. Shamil Gaziev, 34 years old, undefeated in MMA, 12-0. Uh, 1-0 in the UFC. And then he's got eight KO, TKO wins, no losses. 3-0 in submissions. That's why I said take note, because when you compare that, Rosenstruck has lost his one fight in by submission and Gaziev is you know beaten three opponents by submission and never lost so and then he's one and oh in decisions as well coming off a win obviously uh because he's one and oh in the UFC but Rosenstrike like I said I mean he's a big boy that's his his nickname is Biggie Boy <laughs> but those knees are lethal and he's got some kicking ability as well so uh, he's coming off a loss to Jalton Almeida. Before that was Chris Dawkins, which was this, you know, this fight right here that you're seeing in, uh, in the picture. And that was a KO win for him by punch in the first round. So I think he got this knee, followed it up with a punch and, you know, finished that fight. But uh, yeah, he definitely has some heavy hands because he's a big dude. Like I said, fought some big names. One of them being Alistair Overeem, and he, man, he busted Alistair Overeem up. I believe this was the fight where Alistair's lip split open. It was nasty. Um, but yeah, he put hands on Alistair. So uh, he's got a win over Andre Arlovsky, Junior Albini, um, Junior Dos Santos, Augusto Sakai, and Chris Dacus. 
And then his losses are to Jelton Almeida, Alexander Volkov, Curtis Blades, Cyril Gaon, Francis Ngannou. All the big names. I mean, the only one that's not that big, Jelton Almeida. But then again, it is because Jelton Almeida has been pretty impressive on the ground with those submissions. So, I mean, again, he's a big dude. He's fucking scary. He's got heavy hands, fucking super powerful, uh, ground and pound, and just dangerous all around. But, you know, when it comes to the elite top upper echelon fighters, you know, he drops the fight. Um, let's see, it's submission, TKO, decision, decision, KO. So, I mean, kind of mixed up on the losses there. No one real way that he's losing. So, uh, but yeah, he, again, he's got a, that's a nasty knockout right there. Face down, ass up, <laughs> face plant. That's bad. Uh, that's Arlovsky too. So he's a legend and he's a tough motherfucker. And Rosenstruck did that to him. So, but his opponent, Gaziev, is uh, again undefeated in MMA. And did I? I think I fucked that up. No, I didn't. Okay, so he's only 1-0 in the UFC, but he's 12-0 in, in MMA. He's coming from Dana White's Contender Series where he got a submission uh, a submission win by rear naked choke in the first round. His last win, though, his, first, his debut in the UFC, his first official UFC fight, was a TKO win in the second round over Martin Boudet. Um, the rest of his fights, TKO, KO, submission... I mean, bunch of TKOs in a row. So he's got dangerous hands, but he's got dangerous submissions as well. Um, and I mean, being undefeated, it's it's going to be tough trying to dethrone him from, you know, being undefeated. But Rosenstruck has those nasty, heavy hands that he can definitely do some damage with. So it might be... That might be the way catch Kaziev early uh, and take him out right away. Uh, otherwise, if Rosenstreet gets tired, Kaziev's going to take advantage. And, you know, if he gets him to the ground, he's going to lay hands on him there. Or he's going to wrap him up in a submission because he does have submission wins. And, they, you know, and they happen quick. I mean, his submission wins are all in the first round. So if Rosenstreet doesn't catch him, he might fucking, uh, he might get him to the ground and submit him. So, it's something to look out for. But, uh, yeah, that wraps it up for the main event and the main card. So, just to go over my picks here, main event, I'm going with Rosenstruck. He is the underdog, it's only a plus 150. But I'm taking him to win. I'm hoping that he does get those strikes in and uh, is able to catch because he have early and take him out. So I'm going to go with the underdog there. Vitor Petrino, minus 305. Uh, what do you call it? Favorite. So, I mean, I have to go with him. Tyson Pedro is a great fighter, but against an undefeated fighter like Petrino, I'm not sure how well he's going to do. Mohamed Mukayev is an underdog as well, plus 220, which is kind of crazy. Um, I'm not sure that I agree with that one, and I see potential in that fight, so I'm going to go ahead and take the chance on uh, Mukayev, considering Alex Perez is coming off of two losses. I know he's going to be hungry, but 
I don't know. I just have a feeling, so I'm going to go ahead and stick with Makayev on this one. Uh, Umar Namagomedov, as such, minus 1,200 uh, favorite. I, I have to go with that one. But he is fighting a dangerous striker, uh, making his USC debut, wanting to, you know, wanting to impress in his first fight in the UFC. Uh, but, you know, stepping up in competition like this, it's going to be tough. So I'm going to stick with the favorite, Umar. If you want to make some money, though, it's not a bad bet to try to go for the underdog there and put some cash on that. Uh, Steve Ursaig is a minus 360 favorite. I'm going to go ahead and take him over Matt Schnell. Matt Schnell's not a bad fighter, but Ursaig has been pretty impressive lately. Seems like the better bet. And then Manuel Torres is a minus 192 favorite uh, against... Um, Wait, what the hell? Oh, I messed that up. <laughs> that was the last fight. Ursaig is actually the last fight. So I just added an extra. I left the one in there from last week. And I just tried to roll with it. What a dummy. Anyway, scrap that. Ignore that. But there we go. Those are my picks. A uh, couple underdogs in there. One big favorite. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm not actually putting any money on this one. I just call it the parlay because I'm just thinking these are technically just my picks. But uh, next week for UFC 299, I will be making picks. I will be betting on them and see how we do. Maybe we can get a decent win out of it. But, yeah, let me wrap this up because I'm getting tired of sitting here. And that'll about do it. So, uh, UFC Fight Night 230-fucking-8-7. What was it again? 238, I believe. I'm already lost. On the numbers. Yeah, 238 this Saturday. ESPN Plus. Go check it out. Big boxing match. Amanda Serrano versus Nina Menke is the main event there. But Jake Paul fighting in the co-main versus uh, Ryan Borland. And then you got uh, uh, homeboy from Euphoria <laughs> fighting as well on that card. That's Saturday as well happening in Puerto Rico. So it might be a little earlier than the UFC card. And then you also have Bare Knuckle MMA, Game Bread, Bare Knuckle MMA happening Saturday night. That's free on YouTube, so you can go check that out if you want to. And Friday night you have one championship, 166 uh, RDR versus Moliken Part 2 for the Middleweight MMA World Championship on Amazon Prime. So there you go. That's the combat sports events for the weekend. That'll do it for me. I'm... I'm about done here, so I'm going to wrap it up, and uh, yeah, uh, watch all the fights. Don't forget to follow my social media. It's been going on down there the whole time, uh, going around to podcasts everywhere except for X. It's going around to pod, uh, and then yeah, don't forget to like and subscribe. Share this with somebody. Help me grow the channel. Doing all that will help, uh, and yeah, come back next Thursday for a recap of this weekend's fights as well as a preview of UFC 299, which is a stacked card. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. Uh, so, yeah, that should be a good show. I'm looking forward to it. Till then, I'm out. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the fights. Peace.